Section 19 of The Awkward Age by Henry James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. Book Fifth, The Duchess. Chapter Four. Many things at Myrtle were strange for her interlocutor, but nothing perhaps as yet had been so strange as the sight of this arrangement for little Aggie's protection. An arrangement made in the interest of her remaining as a young person of her age and her monde, so her aunt would have put it, should remain. The strangest part of the impression, too, was that the provision might really have its happy side, and his lordship understand definitely better than anyone else his noble friend's whole theory of perils and precautions. The child herself, the spectator of the incident was sure enough, understood nothing. But the understandings that surrounded her, filling all the air, made it a heavier compound to breathe than any Mr. Longdon had yet tasted. This heaviness had grown for him through the long, sweet summer day, and there was something in his at last finding himself ensconced with the Duchess that made it supremely oppressive. The contact was one that, nonetheless, he would not have availed himself of a decent pretext to avoid. With so many fine mysteries playing about him, there was relief, at the point he had reached, rather than alarm, in the thought of knowing the worst, which it pressed upon him somehow that the Duchess must not altogether know, but must in any relation quite naturally communicate. It fluttered him, rather, that the person who had an understanding with Lord Petherton should so single him out as to wish for one also with himself. Such a person must either have great variety of mind, or have a wonderful idea of his variety. It was true, indeed, that Mr. Mitchett must have the most extraordinary understanding, and yet with Mr. Mitchett he now found himself quite pleasantly at his ease. Their host, however, was a person sui generis, whom he had accepted, once for all, the inconsequence of liking and conformity with the need he occasionally felt to put it on record that he was not narrow-minded, Perhaps at bottom he most liked Mitchy because Mitchy most liked Nanda. There hung about him still, moreover, the faded fragrance of the superstition that hospitality not declined is one of the things that oblige. It obliged the thoughts for Mr. Longdon as well as the manners, and in the especial form in which he was now committed to it would have made him, had he really thought any ill, ask himself what the deuce then he was doing in the man's house all of which didn't prevent some of Mitchy's queer condonations, if condonations in fact they were, from not wholly by themselves soothing his vague unrest, an unrest which never had been so great as at the moment he heard the Duchess abruptly say to him, "'Do you know my idea about Nanda? It's my particular desire you should. The reason, really, why I've thus laid violent hands on you.' Nanda, my dear man, should marry at the very first moment. This was more interesting than he had expected, and the effect produced by his interlocutress, as well as doubtless not lost on her, was shown in his suppressed start. There has been no reason why I should attribute to you any judgment of the matter, but I have had one myself, and I don't see why I shouldn't say frankly that it's very much the one you express. It would be a very good thing. A very good thing, but none of my business. The Duchess's vivacity was not unamiable. It was on this circumstance that her companion, for an instant perhaps, meditated. It's probably not in my interest to say that. 
I should give you too easy a retort. It would strike anyone as quite as much your business as mine. Well, it ought to be somebody's, you know. One would suppose it to be her mother's, her father's. But in this country, the parents are even more emancipated than the children. Suppose, really, since it appears to be nobody's affair, that you and I do make it ours. We needn't, either of us, she continued, be concerned for the other's reasons, though I'm perfectly ready, I assure you, to put my cards on the table. You've your feelings. We know they're beautiful. I, on my side, have mine, for which I don't pretend anything but that they're strong. They can dispense with being beautiful when they're so perfectly settled. Besides, I may mention, they're rather nice than otherwise. Edward and I have a cousinage, though for all he does to keep it up. If he leaves his children to play in the street, I take it seriously enough to make an occasional dash for them before they run over. And I want for Nanda simply the man she herself wants. It isn't as if I wanted for her a dwarf or a hunchback or a coureur or a drunkard. Vandermank's a man whom any woman, don't you think, might be, who more than one woman is, glad of for herself. Beau comme le jour, awfully conceited and awfully patronizing, but clever and successful and yet liked, and without, so far as I know, any of the terrific appendages which in this country so often diminish the value of even the pleasantest people. He hasn't five horrible unmarried sisters for his wife to have always on a visit. The way your women don't marry is the ruin here of society, and I've been assured in good quarters, though I don't know so much about that, the ruin also of conversation and of literature. Isn't it precisely just a little to keep Nanda herself from becoming that kind of appendage, say, to poor Harold, say, one of these days, to her younger brother and sister, that friends like you and me feel the importance of bestirring ourselves in time. Of course, she's supposedly young, but she's really any age you like. Your London world so fearfully batters and bruises them. She had gone fast and far, but it had given Mr. Longdon time to feel himself well afloat. There were so many things in it all to take up that he laid his hand, of which he was not unconscious, the feebleness exposed him, on the nearest. Why, I'm sure her mother, after twenty years of it, is fresh enough. Fresh? You find, Mrs. Brooke, fresh? The Duchess had a manner that, in its all-knowingness, rather humiliated than encouraged, but he was all the more resolute for being conscious of his own reserves. It seems to me it's fresh to look about thirty. That, indeed, would be perfect. But she doesn't. She looks about three. She simply looks a baby. Oh, Duchess, you're really too particular, he retorted, feeling that, as the trodden worm will turn, anxiety itself may sometimes tend to wit. She met him in her own way. I know what I mean. My niece is a person I call fresh. It's warranted, as they say in the shops. Besides, she went on, if a married woman has been knocked about, that's only a part of her condition. Elle l'a l'en voulu. And if you're married, you're married. It's the smoke, or call it the suit, of the fire. You know yourself, she roundly pursued, that Nanda's situation appalls you. Oh, appalls, he restrictively murmured. 
It even tried a little his companion's patience. There you are, you English. You'll never face your own music. It's amazing what you'd rather do with a thing, anything not to shoot at or to make money with, than look at its meaning. If I wished to save the girl as you wish it, I should know exactly from what. But why differ about reasons, she asked, when we're at one about the fact? I don't mention the greatest of Vanderbank's merits, she added, his having so delicious a friend. By whom, let me hasten to assure you, she laughed, I don't in the least mean Mrs. Brooke. She is delicious, if you like, but believe me when I tell you, caro mio, if you need to be told, that for effective action on him you're worth twenty of her. What was most visible in Mr. Longdon was that, however it came to him, he had rarely before, all at once, had so much given him to think about. Again, the only way to manage was to take what came uppermost. By effective action, you mean action on the matter of his proposing for Nanda? The Duchess's assent was noble. You can make him propose. You can make, I mean, a sure thing of it. You can doter the bride. Then, as with the impulse to meet benevolently, and more than half-way, her companion's imperfect apprehension, you can settle on her something that will make her a parti. His apprehension was perhaps imperfect, but it could still lead somehow to his flushing all over, and this demonstration the Duchess as quickly took into account. Poor Edward, you know, won't give her a penny. Decidedly she went fast, but Mr. Longdon in a moment had caught up. Mr. Vanderbank, your idea is, would require on the part of his wife something of that sort? Pray, who wouldn't, in the world we all move in, require it quite as much? Mr. Vanderbank, I am assured, has no means of his own at all, and if he doesn't believe in impecunious marriages, it's not I who shall be shocked at him. For myself, I simply despise them. He has nothing but a poor official salary. If it's enough for one, it would be little for two, and would be still less for half a dozen. They are just the people to have, that blessed pair, a fine old English family. Mr. Longdon was now fairly abreast of it. What it comes to, then, the idea you're so good as to put before me, is to bribe him to take her. The Duchess remained bland, but she fixed him. You say that as if you were scandalized, but if you try Mr. Van with it, I don't think he'll be. And he won't persuade me, she went on finally, that you haven't yourself thought of it. She kept her eyes on him, and the effect of them, soon enough visible in his face, was such as presently to make her exult at her felicity. You're of a limpidity, dear man. You've only to be said bow to, and you confess. Consciously or unconsciously, the former, really, I'm inclined to think, you've wanted him for her. She paused an instant to enjoy her triumph, after which she continued, And you've wanted her for him. I make you out, you'll say, for I see you coming, one of those horrible benevolent busybodies who are the worst of the class, but you've only to think a little, if I may go so far, to see that no making at all is required. You've only one link with the brooks, but that link is golden. How can we, all of us, by this time, not have grasped and admired the beauty of your feeling for Lady Julia? 
There it is. I make you wince. To speak of it is to profane it. Let us by all means not speak of it, then, but let us act on it. He had at last turned his face from her, and it now took in, from the vantage of his high position, only the loveliness of the place and the hour, which included a glimpse of Lord Petherton and little Aggie, who, down in the garden, slowly strolled in familiar union. Each had a hand in the others, swinging easily as they went. Their talk was evidently of flowers and fruits and birds. It was quite like father and daughter. One could see half a mile off, in short, that they weren't flirting. Our friend's bewilderment came in odd, cold gusts. These were unreasoned and capricious. One of them, at all events, during his companion's pause, must have roared in his ears. Was it not, therefore, through some continuance of the sound that he heard her go on speaking? Of course, you know the poor child's own condition. It took him a good while to answer. Do you know it? he asked with his eyes still away. If your question's ironical, she laughed, your irony is perfectly wasted. I should be ashamed of myself if, with my relationship and my interest, I hadn't made sure. Nanda's fairly sick, as sick as a little cat with her passion. It was with an intensity of silence that he appeared to accept this. He was even so dumb for a minute that the oddity of the image could draw from him no natural sound. The Duchess, once more, accordingly, recognized an occasion. It has doubtless already occurred to you that, since your sentiment for the living is the charming fruit of your sentiment for the dead, there would be a sacrifice to Lady Julia's memory more exquisite than any other. At this, finally, Mr. Longdon turned. The effort on the lines you speak of, for Nanda's happiness. She fairly glowed with hope. And by the same token, such a piece of poetic justice, quite the loveliest it would be, I think, one had ever heard of. So, for some time more, they sat confronted. I don't quite see your difficulty, he said at last. I do happen to know, I confess, that Nanda herself extremely desires the execution of your project. His friend's smile betrayed no surprise at this effect of her eloquence. You're bad at dodging. Nanda's desire is inevitably to stop off for herself every question of anyone but Vanderbank. If she wants me to succeed in arranging with Mr. Mitchett, can you ask for a plainer sign of her private predicament? But you've signs enough, I see. She called herself up. We may take them all for granted. I've known perfectly from the first that the only difficulty would come from her mother, but also that that would be stiff. The movement with which Mr. Longdon removed his glasses might have denoted a certain fear to participate in too much of what the Duchess had known. I've not been ignorant that Mrs. Brookenham favours Mr. Mitchett. But he was not to be let off with that. Then you've not been blind, I suppose, to her reason for doing so. He might not have been blind, but his vision at this scarce showed sharpness, and it determined in his interlocutress the shortest of shortcuts. She favours Mr. Mitchett, because she wants old Van, 
herself. He was evidently conscious of looking at her hard. In what sense, herself? Ah, you must supply the sense. I can give you only the fact, and it's the fact that concerns us. Voyons, she almost impatiently broke out. Don't try to create unnecessary obscurities by being unnecessarily modest. Besides, I'm not touching your modesty. Supply any sense whatever that may miraculously satisfy your fond English imagination. I don't insist in the least on a bad one. She does want him herself. That's all I say. Pourquoi faire, you ask, or rather, being too shy, don't ask, but would like to, if you dared, or didn't fear I'd be shocked. I can't be shocked, but frankly, I can't tell you either. The situation belongs, I think, to an order I don't understand. I understand either one thing or the other. I understand taking a man up or letting him alone. But I don't really get it, Mrs. Brooke. You must judge at any rate for yourself. Vanderbank could, of course, tell you if he would. But it wouldn't be right that he should. So the one thing we have to do with is that she's in fact against us. I can only work Mitchy through Petherton but Mrs. Brooke can work him straight. On the other hand, that's the way you, my dear man, can work Vanderbank. One thing, evidently beyond the rest, as a result of this vivid demonstration, disengaged itself to our old friend's undismayed sense, but his consternation needed a minute or two to produce it. I can absolutely assure you that Mr. Vanderbank entertains no sentiment for Mrs. Brookenham that he may not keep under by just setting his teeth and holding on? I never dreamt he does, and have nothing so alarming in store for you. Rassurez-vous bien, as to propose that he shall be invited to sink a feeling for the mother in order to take one up for the child. Don't please flutter out of the whole question by a premature scare. I never supposed it's he who wants to keep her. He's not in love with her. Be comforted. But she's amusing, highly amusing. I do her perfect justice. As your women go, she's rare. If she were French, she'd be a femme d'esprit. She has invented a nuance of her own, and she has done it all by herself. For Edward figures in her drawing-room only as one of those queer extinguishers of fire in the corridors of hotels. He's just a bucket on a peg. The men, the young and the clever ones, find it a house— and heaven knows they're right, with intellectual elbow-room, with freedom of talk. Most English talk is a quadrille in a sentry-box. You'll tell me we go further in Italy, and I won't deny it, but in Italy we have the common sense not to have little girls in the room. The young men hang about Mrs. Brooke, and the clever ones ply her with the uproarious appreciation that keeps her up to the mark. She's in a prodigious fix. She must sacrifice either her daughter— or what she once called to me, her intellectual habits. Mr. Vanderbank, you've seen for yourself, is of these one of the most cherished, the most confirmed. Three months ago, it couldn't be any longer kept off, Nanda began definitely to sit, to be there and look by the tea-table, modestly and conveniently abstracted. "'I beg your pardon. I don't think she looks that, Duchess,' Mr. Longdon lucidly broke in. 
how much she had carried him with her in spite of himself was betrayed by the very terms of his descent i don't think it would strike anyone that she looks convenient his companion laughing gave a shrug try her and perhaps you'll find her so but his objection had none the less pulled her up a little i don't say she's a hypocrite for it would certainly be less decent for her to giggle and wink it's mrs brooke's theory moreover isn't it that she has from five to seven at least lowered the pitch doesn't she pretend that she bears in mind every moment the tiresome difference made by the presence of sweet virginal eighteen i haven't i'm afraid a notion of what she pretends mr longdon had spoken with a curtness to which his friend's particular manner of overlooking it only added significance they've become she pursued superficial or insincere or frivolous but at least they've become with the way the drags put on quite as dull as other people he showed no sign of taking this up instead of it he said abruptly but if it isn't mr mitchett's own idea his fellow visitor barely hesitated it would be his own if he were free and it would be lord petherton's for him i mean by his being free nanda's becoming definitely lost to him then it would be impossible for mrs brooke to continue to persuade him as she does now that by a waiting game he'll come to his chance his chance will cease to exist and he wants so poor darling to marry you've really now seen my niece she went on that's another reason why i hold you can help me yes i've seen her well there she is it was as if in the pause that followed this they sat looking at little absent aggie with a wonder that was almost equal the good god has given her to me the duchess said at last it seems to me then that she herself is in her remarkable loveliness really your help she'll be doubly so if you give me proofs that you believe in her and the duchess appearing to consider that with this she had made herself clear and her interlocutor plastic rose in confident majesty i leave it to you mr longdon did the same but with more consideration now is it your expectation that i shall speak to mr mitchett don't flatter yourself he won't speak to you mr longdon made it out as supposing me you mean an interested party she clapped her gloved hands for joy it's a delight to hear you practically admit that you are one mr mitchett will take anything from you above all perfect candour it isn't every day one meets your kind and he's a connoisseur i leave it to you i leave it to you she spoke as if it were something she had thrust bodily into his hands and wished to hurry away from he put his hands behind him straightening himself a little half kindled still half confused you're all extraordinary people she gave a toss of her head that showed her as not so dazzled you're the best of us caro mio you and aggie for aggie's as good as you mitchy's good too however mitchy's beautiful you see it's not only his money he's a gentleman so are you there aren't so many but 
we must move fast, she added more sharply. What do you mean by fast? What should I mean but what I say? If Nanda doesn't get a husband early in the business. Well, said Mr. Longdon, as she appeared to pause with the weight of her idea, why, she won't get one late. She won't get one at all. One, I mean, of the kind she'll take. She'll have been in it over long for their taste. She had moved, looking off and about her, little Aggie always on her mind, to the flight of steps, where she again hung fire, and had really ended by producing in him the manner of keeping up with her to challenge her. Been in what? She went down a few steps, while he stood with his face full of perceptions, strained and scattered. Why, in the air they themselves have infected for her. End of section 19